0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. We are back with you on the maroon mic. I'm your co-host Colton Watson, and today I'll be just your co or your host, excuse me. Today, Um, due to some scheduling conflicts and work-related things, uh, Lounge Dog is unable to be with us today. Uh, But we're gonna get the show in, and we'll be back Thursday, of course, with Daniel to preview the next series. A uh, reminder that it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this week. So as soon as we get that episode up, you're going to want to listen to it because it might be old news by the time – if you try to wait till Friday morning. But we are here in the Maroon Mic on our review episode, and it's not going to be a very pleasant experience for uh, some of us. But as far as content goes, still going to be plenty of that, still going to be plenty of discussion, you know, kind of a what went wrong, kind of – I think we're all a little bit st- – a little shell shocked, uh, to say the least. I don't think anybody expected us to perform as poorly as we did this weekend. I knew we knew we had been struggling. We knew that LSU was pretty good, but we didn't think that you know we were that bad. Uh, it does seem like a lot of teams seem to click uh, when they come in here to play us, and then they kind of fall apart afterwards. Or or you know in the case of Long Beach State and Georgia and stuff like that. Tulane, the very next week is always a bad week for them. To say the least, uh, it was disappointing though to what we saw in Duty Noble Field. But we got stuff to talk about before we even get to that. I want to remind you that you know we've got still have basketball news, basketball stuff going on, and we're not going to have again whole basketball episodes. Um, Andrew's not going to be back probably until the next basketball season, but he does still uh, contribute to the Twitter account. Don't worry, he's still behind the scenes. Uh, enjoying his role here at the Marine Mike. But big basketball news this week. Deshaun Davis. Um, Deshaun Davis, he's going to be a graduate transfer. He's done the JUCO thing, which is how he got that relationship with Chris Jans. They recruited him out of JUCO. That's kind of his bread and butter. Um, He's from Oregon State. He averaged just under 11 points per game and just under five assists per game last year, which led the Pac-12. Uh, talking about assists this guy is a true point guard he is not um a two guard that we've tried to f- force into a point guard role he's not you know a really good player that happens to be undersized so we just let him bring the ball up uh he's not a a pure shooter that we're trying to teach how to pass the ball and be a four general this guy is a four general first and that's something that this team is really since Lamar Peters has lacked. And Lamar Peters, I, I thought I loved watching that guy play. But, I mean, sometimes he would try to, quote, unquote, take over games and, and force some shots up. That, not very much in floor general fashion, but he was capable of being that guy. This guy, uh, I don't think he's like that at all. He shot uh, just under 46% from the floor last year, which is really good. So, very excited to have that on um, the first piece of Chris Jan's uh, rebuild is in place. Of course, you, you don't expect to have Iris and Molinar back. He is, he has retained the ability to come back to school, but he is in the NBA draft process. Haven't heard of anything about Tolu, which you know, in that on that uh, respect, no news is good news. So we still look like Tolu is going to come back and try to play a season that's injury free, so that he can really show NFL, uh, NFL, NBA <laughs> scouts uh, what he's made of. Um, but there is a chance you get Iverson back, though. I doubt it. And of course, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. I have heard tonight, uh, as I'm recording, and we might find out for sure tomorrow, um, rumors that Cam Carter might enter the portal since he's, you know, he thought he was that guy, that point guard guy. And to be honest, like Cam Carter is probably the closest thing we've had to that kind of point guard. Um, maybe since Davon Smith last year, I guess, who also transferred out. Um, but we really, again, have lacked that experienced. True floor general type guy. And if Cam Carter was going to come in and be that, I mean, I can see why he would transfer. The thing is, though, just the way college basketball works, you really hate to see that. Deshaun Davis only has one year of eligibility left. Uh, Cam Carter has three. So it's not like he's, you know, Cam Carter's not going to play next year. He'll play, but then after that, you know, he's the guy, right? But uh not gonna bemoan that decision, you know if uh Chris Jans said it the best where he's not trying to build something over the long term he's trying to create a roster every year every year trying to create a roster to give him the best chance to win that year he's not trying i mean with the transfer portal the way it is with the one and dones the way they are uh in college basketball you we, year in and year out you won't have the same team like that's just it that's asking too much so he knows what he's doing does Chris Jans and it seems like uh the guy we got, I mean, look, if Cam Carter knows that the guy coming in is better than him, then even though we lose Cam Carter, that still means that we got better. And Cam Carter wouldn't have left unless he just didn't think he was going to compete for a starting role in that, and with him, with Deshaun Davis on the court. And to say all that, it might have nothing to do with him. He might have been wanting to transfer anyway. I have no idea. He might, you know, I don't know where he's going. Maybe he's going somewhere closer to home or whatever, but so not 100% confirmed that that's happening, but, you know, I've heard things, and I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. And by the time you listen to this, it might be official. Speaking of the transfer portal, football, and I just have to mention this, we acquired a punter, punter from UMass. He is, you know, top 10 in most of UMass's career punting categories, so you like, you like to see that. You don't get grades on 247 for transfer punters, so don't, you know, ask me for, like, what his star ranking is. He doesn't have one. George Georgiopoulos, an all name candidate off the bat immediately. I think our special teams will have the best names in college football. you got George Georgiopoulos and Massimino Biscardi. Uh, I mean, just chef's kiss. That is fantastic. So, gonna have some, he could place kick as well, but you're gonna have competition. You still have Archer Trafford. Tucker Day has moved on, but you still have Archer Trafford and George Georgiopoulos in the punting situation. You did sign also a punter slash kicker out of, out of Northern Colorado university, a transfer. He's originally from Florida last year too. So you've added three kickers. You also added Gabriel Placentia. Of course he left before spring practice even started. Like he, he transferred in and then transferred right back out. So, uh, I, and that's another guy that would have added to your all name team, Gabriel Placentia. So the kicking unit though, looks like it has gotten better. And that is obviously probably the number one gripe, uh, from last year is, I mean, you lost two or three games because you couldn't kick. You could have won the – beat Memphis for a lot of reasons, but also because you couldn't kick. You definitely beat Arkansas if you could kick, um, and because of a couple calls. But we don't. I, let's make it about us. Uh, you probably could beat LSU if not for a missed kick. So definitely had a huge impact on the season last year. All right, so we are going to do our normal thing, hitting uh, re- re- review, pitching review, and then some general notes, and then we'll get on out of here. Um And, yeah, this was uh, not our best weekend. But statistically, it looks good. That's what's so scary about it and so just frustrating. It's not like, you know, we couldn't hit it all. It's not like we walked the yard every single game pitching-wise. We didn't. It all came down to timely hitting. Uh, we couldn't get the clutch hit when it matters. We couldn't score on on LSU's bullpen. Got to give LSU's bullpen a ton of credit. They were outstanding all weekend long. The only runs scored on their bullpen was Slade Alford's home runs on Sunday. That was it. Everything else we had to put on the starters. And we were able to score on the starters. We couldn't score on the bullpen, and that was the difference. So, moving on now. uh, Jess Davis, he's still first, although he didn't have a lot of at-bats. He's still first on my sheet. He was one for two the whole week. One at bat in the midweek, one at bat on Sunday. Cam James, Cam James had a pretty good week. One for one with an RBI and a walk in the midweek. One for four on Friday, two for five with an RBI on Saturday, and then one for four on Sunday. So he's five for fourteen on the week with a couple RBI. And again, that's to do with who's getting on in front of him because some you, all week pretty much nobody was getting on in front of him, or R.J. Yeager was hitting home runs. So the RBI numbers are still low and they have been all year, but that's just that's not a product of Cam not hitting because he's still up there around the team lead and average. Actually, R.J. Yeager leads the team in average now. Who would have thought? But he gets an A. Hunter Hines, still really, really struggled. He hit a home run in the midweek game, but was 0 for all weekend. He's 1 for 13 this week with just the one RBI. Um, that's an F, and I'm, I'm grading him, you know, not like a freshman anymore. He's seen it. By this time, He started to grow up. But this is kind of freshman territory right here with him. I'm not worried about him. You saw him get subbed out in that Saturday game, uh, let him sit on the bench and figure things out a little bit. And he had some good – he's had a lot of strikeouts, a lot of really poor at bats, very poor at bats. He also kind of got screwed on a pitch on Sunday. He hit a ball hard on Sunday that um, just happened to find a glove of an elite defender in Trey Morgan. So he's not just in the wilderness somewhere. You know, he, he's, he's still battling and still competing. Luke Hancock uh probably had the second best, if not the best week of anybody. In terms of RBI, it was the best week. He had six. Four of those were in the midweek. He was three for three with two home runs with and a walk. He was one for three with, of course, the only RBI on Friday and a walk, two for four on Saturday and one for four on Sunday. So he's seven for fourteen this week. Uh it doesn't get too much better than that. With six RBI and a couple walks, he's at an A plus. Logan Tanner, still a pretty decent week, especially, you know. Not catching DHN on the midweek. He had an RBI on a sack fly, but no hits. Um, what was two for four, one for five, and two for four on, on the on the weekend, those are just good numbers. Five for 16, did have one RBI. Pelham Clark, not his best week. Two for three with an RBI, and, of course, that was a home run in the midweek game. 0 oh for four, O oh for four with a walk on Saturday, and then one for four on Sunday. So, just three for 15, one RBI, one walk. That's about a C minus. Oh, I gave Logan Logan a B, a B by the way. Uh, pretty, I'm being a little hard on Logan. He did have five hits and, and hit in every game this weekend, but Kellen Clark, C minus, not really getting it done. Brad Cumbest, um, first two games this week were fantastic, and then he kind of tapered off. So, I kind of gave him a C, uh, even though that's being a really iffy because his average is still really good for this week. But he's three for three with an RBI, of course, a home run. Um, in the midweek game, two for four on Friday, a couple infield singles. But 0 for three with a walk on Saturday. Low Team low in walks amongst the starters. Brad does not walk a lot, but he did walk once this week. And then 0 for three on Sunday. I gave him a C. Um, and, again, that's being really picky. But there was just some big moments. And, you know, he had the early infield singles on Friday. And then there were some big moments late in the game. and some big moments Saturday and Sunday where he could have come through for us and he was unable to, which, again, you got to give that bullpen of LSU a lot of credit. RJ Yeager, RJ Yeager, um, definitely had the best weekend of any of anybody. Uh, similar week to Hancock. Hancock had more, you know, RBIs and was tearing it up in the midweek game. But RJ, you know, with, with less runs batted in, still was dominating on the weekend uh, and was the probably the best player at the plate all weekend for both teams. Um, I guess you could give that honor to Josh Pearson for LSU. But I still think R.J. was more consistent. 0 for 2 in the midweek, 1 for 4 on Friday, and then came alive in the leadoff spot. Uh, and your leadoff spot's fixed. I think that that's settled for a little while. Now the debate's just going to be, you know, center fielder. And, and again, shortstop's starting to kind of settle out, too. I think Lane is starting to make that his, his role right now. But still some debate at, at shortstop and still a little bit of debate um, at center field. A lot, probably a lot more at center field now than shortstop now rather than shortstop. But the leadoff spot, for at least for now, is settled. Three for four on both Saturday and Sunday to bring his total on the weekend to seven for 12. He's seven for 14 on the week with a couple RBI. Of course, those RBIs were both home runs, leadoff home runs on Saturday and Sunday. He also had a double in, in each of those games. So it was very, very uh, productive this week. A-plus for Jaeger. Tanner Leggett only had a couple at bats. Uh, appeared in the game Saturday, but didn't bat. Um, didn't play Friday. Was 0 for 2 on Sunday, but 2 for 3 with two RBI. That was, of course, a big home run on the midweek game. So he's, you know, 2 for 5 with a couple RBI. That's not a, a huge sample size. I'm still giving him a B minus. Uh, looks he's doing the most of his opportunities. But Lane Forsyth didn't draw uh, getting at bat in the midweek game. He did play. Was 2 for 3 on Friday, 0 for 3, and then 0 for 1 on Sunday. But even on those Saturday and Sunday at-bats, even with the strikeouts, he was still competitive. He's fouling off balls. He's not um, getting cheated up there. And the two hits he got on Friday were key. Uh, One of those resulted, of course, uh, in the long inning where we got to score a couple runs. So two for seven, I'm giving him a B. Uh, Lane looks like that he is kind of separating himself. His average, I actually want to pull that up real quick. Let's see if I can get to it. In less than fifteen seconds, uh, doubtful. Let's see. Lane's average is up to, and he's not listing the main starters. Two twenty-four. So he's just twelve points ahead of of uh, Tanner Leggett. <clears throat> still without an extra base hit on the year, though. Which is funny. You'd think he, you know, you'd put one in the right hole by now, uh, with those eleven hits somewhere. But he hasn't. Still. Waiting to him for to kind of come alive at the plate, but he looks like this week he had one of his better weeks, and last week was a good week for him too against Arkansas. In the SEC, he's actually got one of the better batting averages in SEC play. Um, Matt Quarter did walk a couple times, but was zero for one. Um, Slate Offered one for two with a couple of RBI. Had his first home run of the, of his career on Sunday. You'd like to see that he's going to get more at bats moving forward. Coach Cummins even said so. Drew McGowan was two for ten. I gave him a, kind of a D. Um, He's still – he's also not getting cheated up there. He's not going to go down and swing at three breaking balls in the dirt. You like that from him, but just not a lot a lot of pop. And, you know, he's got to put it in the perfect place for it to be a base hit. He's not going to right, rocket one through somebody more often than not. Uh, but did have a, a big hit on Friday. Didn't play on Saturday, though. Braylon Skinner came in and did the best with his opportunities. He was one for two on each of the um, Saturday and Sunday game, and so two for five total in the week. He did not have a hit in his midweek at bat. But that's another, you know, he's kind of in the mix there. Jess Davis is still in the mix, of course. Matt Quarter, Braylon Skinner, Drew McGowan. Those four guys are in the mix for center field. And, and guys, <clears throat> here's the thing that – might be frustrating Well, it is frustrating for one is three of those guys are left-handed so it kind of makes it difficult to play the matchups because you either got to go with Matt Quarter or, or any of those three guys but people like to say you know oh they just need to pick somebody or they need to go with Jess Davis for sure or, they need to do this guys like there's not a vendetta that the coaches have that are keeping somebody out of that spot they're, they're doing what's best and the thing is it's pretty clear Jess Davis just can't hit lefties. And that's a limiting thing when you got a matchup – when when they can bring a matchup guy and it's a for sure out, that's not good. And that kind of limits what you can do with Jess in the lineup. At any point, that other team is going to force you to make a pinch hit – pinch hitting decision when you might not want to when you have Jess Davis in the lineup. And that's tough. Um, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve his, his fair share of opportunities. I hope he'll get to play tonight a good bit, maybe even try to bat against a left-handed pitcher for um, UAB, or I guess that's tomorrow night right now, but tonight as you're listening. Um, But there's not going to necessarily be this, oh, just pick somebody and go with it, or let somebody get comfortable. They're going to decide who's who's had the best practice the the day before, who's had the best week, who's hot right now, who gives us the best matchup against this pitcher, who played against this pitcher in high school and kind of knows its tendencies. That's – they're not go, – they're going to decide this on a week-by-week basis. They're not just going to lock this down for the sake of locking it down. It is better for them to tinker with it for the rest of the season than them to just give it to somebody for the sake of giving it to somebody, okay? Um, and that's all we really have to talk about. Uh, we did have – no at-bats for Aaron Downs this week. Von Siebert was 0 for 5. Tough week for him. Gave him an F. Davis Mesh won a plate appearance and walked. So, not too much going on there. Got some uh, some flame ratings to go with you, and we had some guys regress. We had some guys uh, egress. I don't know if that's the right word. I think that that's not exactly means what I think it means. But we had um, some, some back and forth this week. So, starting off, Brandon Smith just – Unbelievable uh, performance, I think, this week from Brandon Smith. He did about as well for the week as any pitcher we could expect um, on our whole staff to do out of the bullpen. And I know he started the midweek game. But it, outside of, you know, one of your three your three starters, uh, he did pretty good compared to just anybody else. I mean, get to, my, my page froze up there for a second, so I'm kind of here stalling while it, you know, collects itself my apologies my internet's not what it's supposed to be right now brandon smith two appearances 10 innings pitch total not scattered nine hits which is what you expect from brandon smith he's a pitch to, he's gonna pound the strike zone three runs just one walk in 10 innings and 11 strikeouts that dog will hunt that is a five star five flame rating for me um i know three runs uh you know, is it Landon Sims numbers, three runs through 10 innings? But that is plenty good enough to win, especially when two of those runs are just, you know, pound the zone, give, um, let UT Martin swing away and see what they can do with it type of runs when you have a, a, a lead. Brandon Smith even said that one of those guys, he grooved a pitch, but one of them just put a really good swing on it. I mean, he located the pitch well and he just, you cheaper cap to him. So that doesn't bother me. You know, solo home runs when you're up. Four or five runs don't bother me that much, especially in a midweek game. Mikey Tepper, tough outing for him. Did really well against UT Martin, but um, came in on Sunday and just didn't have it. And I guess he was kind of a white flag situation. But you, that was his chance to kind of take a, a main contributing role by the horns, and he kind of blew it. Two appearances, three total innings pitch, five hits, four runs, five walks, four Ks, and most of that was done during um, his LSU appearance on Sunday. Casey Hunt, uh, I gave him four flames. He did the most with his opportunities. Three innings pitch, just one hit, one walk, and three Ks. Was getting touched up for loud outs, but that's going to, uh, he's going to continue to get better. He threw two complete innings against LSU and did, and did well. And we'll get to, we'll mention him a little bit later when we uh, talk about Jackson Fristo. Preston Johnson, um, probably his best appearance in the, in the uniform. Gave up two hits. The first two batters got a hit. And it was an infield single that was so close, Trey Morgan had to tumble over first base just to, get to be called safe. And he really sawed off Dylan Cruz, and he just kind of flipped one into left field, just muscled it out there, uh, opposite field. Well, no, Cruz is right handed Don't quote me on that. And then did not give up a hit the rest of the way. Did give up four walks, but through six innings, just allowed those two hits. Only one run, courtesy of the walks. 10 Ks. He allowed the run run without the benefit of a hit. He had a walk, a a butt, sack fly, you know, those types of things. Five flames for Preston Johnson. He gave you a chance to win. I mean, we said in the Thursday show, the key was for your starters to outdo their starters, and ours did, except on Sunday. Um, We we were – well, that's not true. Uh, Brandon Smith outdid Blake Money. But Parker Stannett did not, so I guess we did not check that box. But on Friday we did, um, and we still couldn't pull it together. Next pitcher to talk about is Jackson Fristo. Just the one flame for him, guys. Look, I'm not. You have to give him just the one flame, but I really think that was just terrible. Bad poor luck. I'm be putting honest. I think he that pitch. You know, you you know the story. Two strikes on a. On the I guess it was the eight hole hitter for LSU. He's got two outs. one run lead. I think it was close enough to call a strike three. I really do. I, I was just I went back and looked it's very borderline. I don't have the track man. Um, but you hit that borderline spot. he hit his spot where he was attempting to throw the ball, which was very borderline twice in, in, in those three balls. One of those you got you know you got to reward the pitcher for, for, for making a, a great pitch. Of course he ends up walking him and then it kind of gets to his head a little bit. Um, I think he's better for it now that it happened, perhaps, but that it's not just, I don't want to just say, Oh, Fristo was terrible. And here's the other thing I want to say for those saying, You know, you should have just left KC in there or you should have put in somebody else, guys, if we if, if anybody else had gone in but Fristo and he had blown it, y'all would be saying, Calling for Fristo, Fristo went three. And two thirds innings against Arkansas on the road and held them scoreless. And he came in with runners uh, on on all the bases, with bases loaded. That you—he earned that that uh, opportunity. He earned the opportunity on Friday night for sure. Um, you want to say put Casey Hunt in there? That's fine. He had a loud out to all three parts of the outfield in the seventh and eighth inning. Okay, he was he was getting. They were figuring him out, to say the least. There's no doubt about that. If not for some good fielding uh, or some or some key locations of those uh, batted balls, we'd be we'd be singing a different tune about the ninth inning. We would have been down. But Casey Hunt did his job. Jackson Fristo did his job until the very last minute. Uh, and it's really really unfortunate and disappointing. I I have not been that sad at a loss in a long time. It was very, 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 very heartbreaking. Brooks Auger came in, and, you know, I, I don't blame him too much for the uh, for these two appearances. I, I hate that his ERA has to come up, you know, three runs in 2.1 innings, six hits, zero walks, and two Ks. Um, just the one plane for him, and I didn't even read you, Jackson Fristow's stats. I mean, he was in there for 0.2, two-thirds of an inning and gave up three runs. I mean, we know what happened. But with for Auger, you know, he came in in a really difficult situation. He had to throw to, um, to Dylan Cruz, who's a monster, uh, when he was probably sitting there, you know, getting ready to go shake hands. He has to come in, start warming up, and get ready. So that's tough. He gives up a home run. It, it is what it is. Then he comes in on Sunday, and again, the game's kind of over. Not really for him, but has to face some really tough pitchers that are see- that can smell blood. So he does give up six hits, a couple long balls. No walks, though. In 2.1 innings, no walks for Brooks Auger, so that's encouraged. Parker Stinnett, um, he doesn't get any flames. If you don't get out of an inning as a starter, you don't get any flames. Just point two thirds of an inning, three hits, three runs, two walks, 1K. Um, he faced seven hitters and five of them reached. Uh, you can't say anything good about that. Pico Khan, I think, had his best outing in the uniform um, this week or against – I guess it was Saturday that he pitched. Said that we hadn't seen him in a while. Uh, We mentioned that, you know, he didn't throw any of these midweek games uh, since he got his start a few weeks ago. I do expect him to start tomorrow. I don't know if that's been officially announced. Um, But I do think he'll start against UAB. But just was absolutely – fantastic uh just one hit through 2.1 innings pitch no runs no walks four k's uh that was that was he really showed me something there and he brooks auger still casey hunt you know i guess brandon smith's probably a starter now we'll talk about that thursday more than likely those are the guys you're gonna have to rely on coming uh moving forward Cade Smith, probably his worst outing in the uniform. Uh, maybe I, – I guess he had a couple rehab rehab innings last year that were pretty poor, but definitely his worst outing of the year. Five innings pitched, five hits, six runs, five walks. So he's allowed ten base runners in five innings. Um, it, it, it could be worse, but just one flame for him, just the one strikeout. He was cruising through two innings and then just couldn't find it anymore. I, I don't know what happened. I really hope that uh, that's the exception, not the rule for him. And the last pitcher, of course, was Cam Tuller. He came in, gave you a perfect inning with a with a strike. I gave him four flames. I usually, you know, don't do five for um for one inning of work unless it's a high stress inning, and it definitely wasn't. But Cam Tuller did a little bit better. I, I think he's gonna be your eat up innings when you're losing or maybe a matchup guy. They did put out a stat. He still is very effective against lefties. That is a guy that definitely I could see him coming in in a big spot to throw to a couple left-handers. But I don't trust him, you know, in long innings. I think he still has like a 400, 500 average. Uh, 400 or 500 average against right-handers. For our color code, Brandon Smith, Casey Hunt, Beef, and Pico are all green. I did move Brooks Auger to the yellow and Kate Smith to the yellow. Fristo is back to orange, and again he goes all the way from green to orange in just one, two thirds of an inning. Again, that's being a little tough on him. But Mikey Tepper's back to orange. Cam Tuller stays orange. I guess he was probably red last week, so he, maybe he moved up. But I, that, I probably should leave him red. Um, and then Parker Stinnett is all the way back to red. Uh, just I don't know what his role is going to be moving forward. I do think Brendan Smith is probably in your rotation next week. Uh, I would actually be shocked if he wasn't. And then Stinnett, uh, maybe he's a midweek guy. Maybe he's um, a bullpen guy coming forward for long relief. Maybe he's a matchup guy for right-handers. I don't know. I really don't know. The story of the weekend, though, you know, we talked about the pitching. I gave out, you know, one, two, three, four, five, four or higher ratings. But I also gave one, two, three, four, five one flame or lower rating. So we'll throw Sunday out the window. You know, Sunday was just bad. Um, you couldn't hit or pitch. Not going to talk about that too much. Or you couldn't string hits together, I should say. You actually got a hit in every inning. But um, couldn't string hits together couldn't pitch. But on Saturday, you pitched bad for one combined inning in the end of the ninth in the ninth inning on Friday and the first inning on Sunday for two thirds, for two thirds on, on Saturday, I should say not Sunday for two thirds of an inning on Saturday for one third of an inning on um, Friday, you pitched poorly and you were outstanding on the mound the rest of the week that what do you, what are you going to do at this point? I mean, we've complained about the hitting or excuse me, about the pitching. We've talked about the bullpen. The bullpen did its job this week. The bullpen was good enough to win outside of um, Sunday. They were, stellar i don't think let me let me put this into perspective four runs on friday and all those came in the ninth inning but they they gave you a a, per, a really clean seventh eight and two-thirds of the ninth and then they pitched the entire game eight and two-thirds on um saturday and gave you one run one eight and two-thirds one run baseball from the bullpen on saturday you just – the the reason we lost, eight runs on 29 hits. 29 hits in a weekend is, is good. Against a team like LSU, you know, with, a, with an ERA, a team batting average, their ERA was coming into the game was under 3-6, so pretty good. But a 215 batting average against. You got 29 hits. 29 hits, but no runs scored on their bullpen until Sunday. And just eight runs. I mean, that's over three and a half hits per run. You should get – you should – be about two hits per run, you know, uh, and that's with solo home runs uh, coming into play. There, you hit you hit a few home runs this week, you know. R.J. Yeager hit two, Kev James hit one, um, Slate Alford hit one. So it's not like um, you're not having, you know, you're hitting a bunch of infield singles, which you did on Friday, and that's why that you're uh, you're unable to score a lot of runs on these hits. It's just you couldn't have hits consecutively. You couldn't hit with runners on base at all. I think we finished, like, one for 17, something like that with runners on base or runners in scoring position. That's just losing baseball. There, there's You're, you're not going to win a lot of series doing that. Got to give LSU credit. They pitched out of the stretch extremely well, starters and relievers, and the relievers were just dominant. The relievers were really, really good all weekend. Um. This is really, really frustrating. This is as frustrating a loss as it's ever been for me. Uh, as a, just to see, again, you're hitting the ball, you're making contact. On Friday, you know, you had some loud outs early that were home runs on just about any other night of the year, but it was just cold and windy. Uh, that's frustrating. You had hits, you actually had hits with runners in scoring position on Friday, but they were either infield singles or too hard hit where you couldn't score on them because you scorched them right to an outfielder and you couldn't score from second. You were doing what you needed to do on Friday. The shift played a role in that. LSU did a good job shifting, and so did we, I think, all weekend long. I I enjoyed watching that chess match. But just any way, any bad luck that could happen in that crazy voodoo uh, that LSU brings just took over. And, again, a lot of it's bad luck. A lot of it's just a really poor – maybe a poor approach you could blame it on. Uh, I want to say the the culprit is just some tough luck and really good relief pitching from LSU. But, I mean, just to summarize the weekend, that ball that scores two runs on Sunday that hits second base and skips, you know, 80 feet away from any of the fielders, that is LSU baseball versus Mississippi State in a nutshell over this past, you know, two decades. So, very disappointing, very frustrating. Um, That's all I've got for today we will be back uh, in our normal time slot perhaps on thursday in a couple days here might try to move that to wednesday if i could find availability uh, we will see we'll we'll stay tuned for that um, but for those of y'all that are uh looking for the show on thursday plan on it being at our normal time as of right now until next time as always swing your sword and hail state